Oh, the times are changing, but it remains to be seen whether it's for the better or the worst. Let's get started. Another race for the world's greatest driver, Juan Manuel Fangio. Former world champion Jim Clark leapt into the lead. That's Clark's Lotus going like a bomb. But James Hunt is the world champion by just one single point. By being a racing driver, you are under risk all the time. And if you no longer go for a gap that exists, you're no longer a racing driver. And that is Michael Schumacher ahead, the world champion. To become a four-time world champion, Sebastian Vettel, Lewis Hamilton, champion of the world. That's for all the kids out there who dream the impossible. Max Verstappen is champion of the world. Hello and welcome to episode 8 of F1 in Review 2023. I'm Tom Claiborne and as ever, I'm joined by Tristan Fancourt and Angus Gallagher. Today we are talking about the new sprint race format uh, that's going to be going ahead in the Azerbaijan Grand Prix and beyond. All teams have unanimously agreed to a new format that will be unveiled at round 4 at Baku. In short, Saturday's practice session is being dropped and instead there will be Saturday's sprint races which will be standalone isolated events while qualifying still on Friday will set the grid for the Sunday race. So to start with Angus, you have strong opinions on the sprint race formats in its old guys and its new guys and all guises. What's your reaction to this? Oh, that's, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> and that's satisfying. Positive, some people. yeah. And that's yeah, yeah. Woo. Mm. Oh, I mean, I've tried to. One thing I've tried to work on uh, over the last few years is to sort of see both sides more often um, and that's what I'm going to try to do and I'm going to start by saying I mean let's give it a chance let's give it a chance mm. okay um, now one thing which I think is a positive and I can look at positively is something which actually sort of was born out the first set of sprint races a couple of years ago is that for the Grand Prix on the Sunday you have a sprint uh you have a qualifying session on a Friday afternoon slash Friday night. Now, mm. if you look past the cynical view of T V viewing figures and all that, I think that's not a bad time to hold qualifying. Friday evening, lots of people coming in from work around the sort of the European time slots. Um it's a nice thing on a on a uh, Friday evening to watch an hour of Formula One qualifying. I think that's a and it sort of it also builds builds it up Throughout the Friday, it, it's that its purpose is to give that Friday something to uh, sort of revolve around instead of just two practice sessions where people are trying out uh, bits on the cars, etc. And there's less going on, so that's good. However, there are some things. One lap qualifying, something which we thought that this is for the sprint, by the way. One lap qualifying, which we thought had been consigned to the dustbin, it was mm. used many years ago in the sort of mid-2000s, uh, before the knockout qualifying that we have was introduced. And they looked at one-lap qualifying, and for several factors, for example, the fact that you could have a qualifying session where in the first half an, first half an hour it's beautiful sunshine, the second half an hour it's pouring with rain, and you give it an immediate unfair disadvantage to those in the second half an hour. The fact that you only ever have one car on track at once um, and you're focused on 
going and watching them around the track at all times. The fact that it doesn't even have a countdown clock, uh, which is one of the main bits of jeopardy and one of the main attractions of the knockout qualifying system. So this all happened and F1 went, ah, it doesn't work, we won't revisit that again. So why are they revisiting hmm. it again? Um, would be my argument. So, also I think for someone who is, as we've discovered in the last few episodes, not a big fan of change, having all this change <laughs> with only four weeks notice, that's, um, it, it seems... Uh, not on a whim because I think this this talk has probably been brewing underneath the surface surface amongst F1 chiefs for a, at least a few months, if not about a year or so. But bringing it in in Baku in four weeks' time, I'm not sure about that. Also, a point which Christian Horner has raised: having a sprint circuit on Baku on a street circuit. Um, yes, good racing generally. It has produced some some solid races over the years Baku but think of the risk there's a big risk on that a high street high speed street circuit with 20 cars going hammer and tongs in a sprint race which by the way because of its uh like the nature will be and also the, the fact it'll be the first one of its kind this new format it's going to be pretty hectic i'd say these decisions from f1 look quite um spontaneous but not necessarily in a good way um now I turn to you two to uh, to say whether I'm just being a grump or whether we have some um, concurrent opinions here. I, I think to some extent it's, it's going to be very difficult to satisfy the 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 community with this one. Sprints will forever, I think, be something you either like or, or you don't. And it seems to me like Angus, you fall very much on the I don't like it side and I think I, I don't mind it. I, I don't mind the sprints. I think they are better, I think, now that they are standalone races. And one of the things that this addresses is the original issue with sprints, which is why why would a team bother taking a big risk uh, if, if they've qualified well and they can make it up in the race? You know, why, why would you bother? Because you don't want to crash out and ruin your chances. And we've seen that quite a few times. I think there have been cases of drivers you know going going a bit too far in the sprint crashing out thinking well, well i'm gonna make up all in the race tomorrow and so the the idea with this is that you make it its own standalone thing and that's cool i like that um i'm less sure about the the one hit qualifier i don't i don't know what you think but it reminds me of the formula one games and <laughs> you do one lap uh qualifying before giving it a go in the grand prix and that's cool that's fine you know for a video game it's pretty fun but as you're saying it's in real world you know uh, you you don't have fixed uh circumstances the, the weather changes wind changes um and i'm not totally sure how they will solidify the rules if for example let's, let's say there's a red flag and then you red flag the race for a bit and then it, you say it rains and you go well what do we do to rectify that because clearly then you're going to have a, a bizarre qualifying but then you you know in real qualifying there have been occasions where the first 10 minutes have been dry and the last have been and last five minutes have been wet and you deal with it it doesn't make much as much of a difference because it's the qualifying that's a q1 and it's your traditional 18 minutes long and you think well 
yeah, fine, the first nine minutes may be dry and the second wet, but everyone get out, do a lap. But, you know, those factors do come into play. And it being a standalone event, I guess, then at least it doesn't affect the Grand Prix for Sunday. So I, I can I can kind of see why they're doing it. I think I think this maybe is the most extreme example of of change I think we've seen in Formula One for a while when it term in, in terms of the the fixed format that we've come to get so used to. I I I can't think of um you know such such a big change happening for for a very long time you know there's been qualifying changes every so often i think 2016 was it they tried to do a new qualifying or 2015 um that they they did for two races i'm mm-hmm. sure i'm sure yeah. you two will remember the the year um they gave it a go in australia mm-hmm. yeah. and no one did no one bothered going out to track um but this is like even further than that this is a new event with a new qualifying format as well for a, for a new race on sunday um so yeah, I think they're always going to struggle to sell this one to the community because I think, to some extent, people just aren't ready for this amount of change. Um, and I have other questions, such as if you're going to make drivers race more, if you're going to make cars race more, are you going to increase the number of engines, for example, you're giving mm. teams for mm-hmm. a year's allocation? Because, well, six races is six races. It might well be... be uh, shorter races but damage still happens and they are still being stressed yeah indeed indeed to start with i think my opinions about these this change is i don't hate it but then again i don't love it i think realistically speaking none of us anyone in formula one thought to themselves that sprint races were going to disappear one day once they were in the calendar i'd say probably the biggest change to the weekend calendar to the overall calendar since this change really uh, came in once they're in they weren't going to go away unless they were a spectacular failure. And they're always going to be good and welcomed by some in, in the Formula 1 community. I get the idea a bit about it being a sort of gateway, if you will, for those who are getting into the sport to get a taste about what a weekend's really about, what Sunday's Grand Prix is really about, and to sort of put your toe in, so to speak. But um, this change is good in one way because I like the idea of qualifying setting uh, the grid for Sunday. I like the idea of there being jeopardy and certainty. Uh, a team that's lower down in the rankings has, for example, getting higher up and then being able to keep that that, that being watered down and the best cars and the best teams and best drivers essentially getting themselves to the top of the grid as is and then that sort of uncertainty and that entertainment factor is gone, really, owing to the sprint race. I'm not too hot on the changes to the points or the lack of really so for those who don't know the top eight finishers will score points p1 gets eight all the way down to p8 it gets one point it's not a huge amount of points for teams drivers constructors engineers to go and put you know belt and braces and hammers and tongs really into a grand prix like baku into a sprint circuit of that ilk when you know that there's going to be so much more cost versus reward that can come from that uh, as well i like the idea if i'm going to flip it on its head about there being more entertainment because yes it is a sport that we love to watch but we love to watch it because it's entertaining and i dare say that very few people watch free practice two and go cool yeah isn't this fun <laughs> and i'm enjoying nothing happening for a long period of time that's good for the fan right but then again for those doing the work the drivers those part of the team they need that data so my question there is is there going to be a replacement is there going to be a training session of sorts for the teams is there a chance for them to get more data or is it just every day is a show night if you will because that is 
more entertaining, there's more jeopardy, there's more uncertainty, but not necessarily good for the sport, not necessarily so good for engineering and the best team creating the best formula and getting the best results, really, because they deserve it and it's a meritocratic sport. So, I mean, we knew the sprint races were going to grow in numbers as well, but I think as well, with the growth of that number, with it being a standalone event, the cost cap does need to change, really, because there does need to be some latitude on that, because as we've all hinted at there, there's no way we can have more Formula One, more racing, more entertainment, more quality with the same budget, because budgets are already tight, as we saw last year when it came to various constructors, so realistically speaking, there's got to be some latitude, which brings me on to my final point for now is that I think this has been rushed through I think this should have been done at the start of the season or waited until the end of this season going into next without it being rushed in in, in round four really we're hardly into this season and it's being pushed through which worries me a bit really but teams unanimously agree to it so who am I to judge well they they did but I, I think there is a bit of confusion in what has been agreed and I don't know because I've been trying to find out um, in preparation for this podcast, what's been agreed and what hasn't. And it seems to me like there is definitely a disagreement between teams because uh, and the FIA because in the previous uh, in the previous Grand Prix in Australia, they they said no, there isn't going to be one shot qualifying. Uh, Total Wolf said no, there isn't going to be one shot qualifying. That's that's just something we haven't agreed to. Then we hear from Stefano de Medicali that there is going to be the, the, this one hit qualifying to some extent i think he's just stirring up trouble because it's, it's a bit quiet mm. in the new cycle for formula one at the moment given that they've decided to put in a stupid break between the third race and the fourth race this is just too long i don't like <laughs> having a, a beginning of season break it's just not not fair give us more racing please um so it's a bit of a short short news cycle this week and i think i think he's gone i know what i'll do I'll bring up one-shot qualifying because that will really get the old-school fans frothing at the mouth. They'll love that. Oh, really, something to get their teeth into. And now, of course, that's happened, and, and Christian Horn doesn't like it, um, and other team team principals don't like it either. And do you think? What do you think about Azerbaijan as a as a place to to go to for for the first um, sprint qualifying? Do you think it's going to be an appropriate venue? Oh no, no. I think it's one of those where all the other ones for sprint races, you look at somewhere like Austria, Belgium, Austin, Texas, Brazil, great ideas. But to have Baku as the starting Grand Prix circuit to have this on is probably the worst idea of a curtain raiser because there's going to be so much damage and that's going to go and hamper teams in the race, in my view. Yeah, I, I, I think I, I, I agree. I think it's a really really chaotic track at the at the best of times um and at the worst of times the the concern is without as you say tom the the budget cap going up or really thinking about it you know properly that we're going to have a situation where no teams would want to really participate in that because look i I imagine if you're a team you're going to sit down and go right we've got to make sure there's quite a big pool of money sitting around for uh, azerbaijan just in case something goes wrong for example, if, if if you want to hear very quickly how much a driver can cost a team, I'm not sure if you saw um, the interview with Gunter Steiner about how Mick Schumacher's crash cost them two million pounds or two million dollars. Just wow. one crash as well. Crazy, isn't it? That well, that was his. That was his two million. So in total, that was two million dollar 
crashes. That's how much he cost mm, the team. Mm. You know, he wrote off cars. Um, you know, he, he said, so he, he said, um, it's just effing ridiculous how many people we could employ with $700,000 and now I have to find that money. Um, and, and that's because fundamentally, Mick Schumacher kept crashing the car and in the end cost the team $2 million. Mm. And and so you have to think, right, well, if we're going to go to Azerbaijan, if you're going to cause drivers uh, the to put themselves into jeopardy again, what's the compensation going to be? Is eight points enough the, you know, a risk worth taking given that Usually, it's not the person in first place that crashes. It's usually third or fourth. So, so if you're in the fight there, and you're you're you know, let's say it's it's someone like Ocon, who we know doesn't like to back out from things, versus someone like Alonso, right? Two two drivers that go wheel to wheel and can be very aggressive. At what point do you go? Hold oh, a minute. This is only for three points. Ah, uh, but you know. Is it worth it? You know, and what do the teams do? Oh, well, maybe maybe the drivers do because they want every set, you know, possible point. But you no, know, to me, I'd be thinking this isn't this isn't really worth. No, no, especially for the lower teams. And I think we may get to a situation where teams are almost instructing their drivers, you know, try a bit, try a lot, but don't try too much. Don't try writing a car off. Try, in my view. I mean, that may that's coming from nowhere at all. That's just pure speculation. But if I was in charge of a house, a Williams, a AlphaTauri on a lower budget, you would almost be sort of gently nudging a driver saying, mm, hang on, those walls are pretty close and it's for minimal points. Let's save ourselves to the race so we can go and get some proper points and then get some uh, more development from there and, and go from there, really. But in terms of Baku being on the list, I thought there were two obvious uh, admissions, really, from it. First of all, Bahrain. I thought it would have been a perfect place for a sprint race. And, dare I say, the Temple of Speed, Monza? Is that sort of good for sprinting? What do you think? I mean, Baku is one... But I was. It's an interesting point you make about the uh, team principals say saying to their drivers that they need to stay away from the ball because st- stay away from the walls as much as possible because the cost cap. The flip side is that we've had some absolutely chaotic races in Baku over the last few years. The ones that come to mind: 2017, where Ricardo won and Stroll finished on the podium. 2018, where the Red Bulls crashed into each other and Bottas's tire blew up when he was in the lead with two laps to go. Uh, 2021 when Verstappen's tyre blew up when he was in the lead Hamilton locked up at the uh, the restart and then Vettel and uh, Gasly finished on the podium so it's also the kind of race where chaos can happen and it's a chance for teams to actually think of someone like Haas or Alpha Tauri or uh, like Alpha Romeo this could be a brilliant chance for them to score some good points I mean other ones I mentioned those rogue results there but other ones that come to mind um, I remember in 2017 I think Kevin Magnussen was on the podium at one point uh, in a Haas or um, in 2018 you had Perez in a racing point or a Force India as it used to be called on the podium um, and then you had f- that, that race as well where Fernando Alonso in that dog slow McLaren got two punctures on the opening lap and then dragged it back up to seventh place so it's a chance arguably for for teams to get some points um amongst all the chaos and it'll be interesting to see what approach they go for and whether baku proves to be a a good venue for the sprint race in terms of alternative venues i agree monza is one which i think has been used 
both the last two years, if I'm correct in thinking. Um, definitely in 2021 because it helped Daniel Ricciardo to get up the grid and take that take that long-awaited victory at McLaren. Um, I'd agree with mm. Bahrain. I think as a racing venue, that's a, a good a good venue for a sprint race. Um, I'd actually like to see a sprint race at uh, at Canada. I think that Canada would be a good venue because of its uh, oh, its propensity war. to be both a street circuit, but also not the tightest street circuit in the world. It traditionally produces good racing with with some action. So I think there would would um, would also be a good venue. And perhaps if I was to throw one more. Maybe a sort of a why not a sprint race in Las Vegas? I mean that would really whet the appetite of those with um with any uh oh, no. whet the whet the appetite of those those with any uh sort of reinforced bank accounts who work in Formula One because that would be really one for the uh, one for the eyeballs and one for the uh, one for the money. I uh, I am not convinced on Las Vegas just yet because we haven't actually seen any any racing there. All we've seen is a lot of spectacles so far. And yeah, I so I'm not I'm not so sure. No, I, I, I think Tom and Angus you rate you raise excellent points with where where to go instead. But I I think Monza would be I think Monza would be alright. I'm I wonder really with Monza as a as a track now because although it's produced some good racing and a very it's very much a, a, a great track, when you break it down whether or not it'd be good for a sprint, I I'm not as convinced it, it relies on um, getting a really good pass into sort of well, good pass into turn one. Really, that start finish straight and um, is is all is really where all the overtaking happens. I, I feel like we've descended to a point in in Monza where we we just wait for um, the car or the lead car to make a mistake, and then you know it's usually turn one. They they go a bit deep. And the car following, who has DRS, is able to get a good drive alongside and get DRS into um, the the next section and then overtake. Right, that that's tends to be how we see overtakes now at Monza. And even mm. even with that, actually getting past with all the DRS zones that they put into Monza could be really difficult. I refer you to Charles Leclerc versus Lewis Hamilton when Charles Leclerc held Hamilton back for the whole race and granted you know he almost got a penalty for for some pretty dodgy defending but the fact is hamilton couldn't get past him um and unfortunately i and so that that is what monza is now it is a race where you have to just wait for an overtake i think and so i don't think it lends particularly well to sprint races but you know i i, I hope i'm proved wrong so perhaps this is the FIA strategy. They have a, a sprint race in a place where disasters do and can happen to make them a little bit in, more interesting because I I still think sprint races <laughs> haven't got their format down. And I think they're too yeah. long. I think if we're going to have a sprint, you really have a sprint. I think we should have dedicated sprint tyres. So Angus, last episode, <laughs> you spoke about the good old days when you used to have the... the um, like super sticky qualifying tires which would be good for a few laps well i think we should have basically sprint tires which are like chewing gum-esque style <laughs> you know so that that sort of thi- um super duper sticky that are, are only good for a few laps i think basically a sprint race should be a race of maybe 15 laps i.e you get in front as soon as you can and then you have to just run away for 15 laps and hold on because 
I don't think, contrary to what you said, Angus, I don't think it is a place where the the teams lower down can do better. I, I think we'd like to say that, but I don't think it's true. And if you go back into previous sprint race results, it that kind of stands up. You know, for example, the Brazilian one. Well, it was George Russell in first, Carlos Sainz in Ferrari second, Lewis Hamilton in Mercedes third, followed by the Red Bulls, followed by another Ferrari, and Haas all the way down in eighth. Bear in mind, they started on pole position. So, yeah, he had Magnussen managed to hold on for one more point. But if it was a much shorter race, he would be able to hold on for... Um, well, perhaps he would have got seventh or even sixth place. So I think as they stand, it's a place where the the top drivers just rise to the top as as we would mm. expect because it's too long. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what do you make about the recent comments from Stefano De Micali about the uh, plans? He's you know, saying it would be possible to cancel all practice sessions. I mean, I've hold my hands up and say I don't often watch the practice sessions. I just look at them afterwards and go, huh, cool, and then get on with qualifying or the race. But um, our thoughts on that? Is that a bit too far, do you reckon? Well, his comments on practice was really interesting because when you look at the other divisions, they have a much less practice. So Formula 2 has really the only one free practice. Formula 3, again, just, you know, the one. And you're not expected to have the track, I think, as well memorised from driving around in practices in those divisions you're expected to do you know simulator work but work memorizing the, the track and you get much less time in in the real world and in formula th- uh, formula one of course you go straight up to to three practices um one two and three and drivers like george russell have been vocal in the fact that they don't necessarily think that you need as much free practice um I would argue mm. that it is necessary for the teams to get all the data out of um, the the track and out of their car. So what we, I think, really need to ask ourselves is, do you want the teams to know and be able to get all of the data? What do you think, Angus? Is it is that mm. what basically we're, we're going towards, back towards the Bernie Eccleston era of no more radios no more radios between the teams and the driver no more having as much data i think that it it can have its positives i suppose because we um we sort of it's something which an argument against um part this part of f1 is that the teams have so much time to prepare that they kind of saturate all the data and they sort of are able to just put all that time in and therefore get exactly what they want um which means that any unknown variables which are which we want to sort of trip them up kind of are taking out the equation because they know you can never know all the unknowns but it gets to a stage where they know all the unknowns arguably um mm. and this would lead to a situation where yeah they have less time they have um sort of more needs to get on with things and to hurry up and to find solutions it's something which is admittedly in a, in a in a same spec series happens in formula 2 and formula 3 they have one practice session on a friday uh, have qualifying for the main race on a friday evening saturday is a sprint race and then sunday is called the feature race or i guess their version of the grand prix 
So it's something which happens in junior category already, and I can see why people would want it in terms of it sort of mixing up the show a little bit and uh, like giving them less data and less information, requiring them to maybe think on their feet more. At the same time, give an F1 team and a set of engineers time to think on their feet in any scenario and they're going to work it out. I don't think that would change a huge amount, if I'm honest with you, in terms of um, reducing the the amount of practice that's available. In terms of what Stefano de Vencali has said, I find it very interesting when he talks about... It's the... Um, because at the end of the day, he is, I think you could argue, he's a politician. And he's um, he's got a sort of, like, the F, the public is his uh, his version of the politician's public. And he's got to try and please his public. And he referred regularly in his statements on this matter to, we have to go with what the fans want. If what the fans want is the most important. And I agree, I think going with what the fans want is important because they know what they think and they sort of are the ones who tune into F1 on a regular basis but I think that makes it very easy for them to force first Stefano Devena Micali to pick what he wants because he knows that some of the fans will support what he wants and he can go oh we're pleasing all the fans look at us when in reality they are pleasing us a section of fans um, so I think we have to be very careful when he starts saying comments about sort of Please the fans, we have to go with what the fans want, all the fans. I love the fans. Love me, fans, and all that. Mm. Um, <laughs> a cynic might a cynic might say he used to be a Ferrari team principal and Ferrari aren't top of the tree right now. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I think that's wild. more a conspiracy theory, but uh <laughs> Possibly, yeah. Yeah, I I, I do think, think that's very fair, though. It gets to the point now where you're pushing through more racing, more weekends, more Grand Prix, the biggest F1 calendar we've ever seen, going all around the globe because it's what the quote-unquote fans of the people want. I'm not too sure about that, but you've seen some backlash, haven't you, to the idea of more racing and more F1 is good. You have Verstappen, for example, that's saying at one point he may even quit the sport owing to it, saying it's already a very intense calendar, not a fan at all of the new sprint format, and... I suppose for him, it's balancing that act, isn't it, really? Domenicali, that is, between the racers and the fans. Because if you go too much in the way of the fans, then the racers and those who actually bring the money in and the spectacle get cheesed off, but then go too much the other way and people don't tune in. So is there perhaps a, a storm brewing there with the world champion to be? Uh, oh, wow, you're, you're calling that one early. Uh, after race three, there you go. I know. <laughs> Shocking, aren't I? <laughs> oh, wow, you've ruined uh, the, the rest of the season for us um, with that. Um, <laughs> I don't get all my predictions right, as you know. <laughs> um, no. Look, he, he, do you know, it was weird because there, w- there was that story. And then alongside, I saw the fact that in a completely different interview, Max Verstappen said... Uh, I'm going to be in the sport for years and years and years and years because I love driving. So hmm. I, I, I hear this as just nonsense. It's just nonsense, that's all it is. He's not going to leave the sport. Be- no driver's going to leave the sport because of sprint races. I, it's just not going to happen. And if it does, there are so many more drivers waiting in the wings. Do you think Max Verstappen is going to miss out on the chance to try and get his fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh or maybe eighth world championship just because someone's hmm. going to make the, the the sport's evolving and make him drive 
you know, six more races a year. Nonsense. It's not going to happen. And I, I can't see any driver on the grid currently who's worked very hard to get to where they've got being like, well, too much driving, too much racing. I'm out of here. <laughs> Take me to NASCAR. Yeah, I totally do get that. I don't think he's going to be quitting the sport when he has the chance to go and get many more world championships under his belt. But as I've seen, many a you know great driver or driver who's indeed at the top of the, the tree at the moment or team who's doing very, very well, try to go and use their influence to go and, I suppose, steer the sport in a certain direction, a direction of their pleasing. So maybe that's what he's trying to do and um, using some of his leverage a bit too overtly, shall we say. But would you would you agree with that, Angus, before we wrap up? Ooh, I'll tell you what, it's not a bad point to make because that is something which I think that he would be... It would be silly of him not to do, if you get me, because he is a he is a whether he likes it or not, whether he knows it, he is a stakeholder. He's a major stakeholder in Formula One, with it with it him being its its primary character, arguably its best driver, its uh its best competitor. So, I think that it could be that. I think that at the same time, he's also he's just naturally outspoken. I think he's he he doesn't he doesn't have much of a filter. I think he's he's got better over the years because I think he's just matured, and he's now what twenty five as opposed to when he was like eighteen, nineteen, and mouthing off every everyone and everything. Um, but yeah, it, it wouldn't it could be a combination of a yeah him being outspoken, but also a um, subtle power move um, by the world champion there. And it seems that's all we've got time for in terms of episode 8 of F1 in Review 2023. Thank you very much for listening. Be your preferred podcast provider of choice or elsewhere. A reminder, as always, you can follow us on Twitter and TikTok, our handle being F1 in Review, all one word, of course, capital F. We'll be back next week to discuss Ferrari, what's going on at house with Kevin Magnussen, and are Red Bull being penalised enough? Tune in next week to find out more. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next week. 